in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are you on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Subliminal SF brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer.
Hello and welcome to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val here at MutinyRadio.fm here in San Francisco in the Mission District. Uh, It is March 10th, 2017 and spring has sprung. That was a little music from Kristen Lagasse uh, called Remember to Breathe. And uh, that's off her album for those who still believe in unicorns. Uh, (laughs) Happy Friday, everybody. Yes, we've got to remember to breathe because we've got a lot of work uh, ahead of us and uh, and, uh, afoot, so to speak. It is uh, March 10th, as I said, and um, what's happening today, a huge, huge series of actions around the country. Um, Also, of course, in Washington, D.C., Native Nations Rise, uh, which you can find uh, online. Uh, They're going to have a rally and march here today in San Francisco starting at 5 o'clock p.m. starting at the Federal Building, 7th and Mission, having a rally there and then marching to Civic Center um, for another rally. But there is a large contingent of people, um, tribes from across the country, who have gone to Washington, D.C. today. um, because, well, there's a lot to uh, to bring to the attention of the federal government. Um, of course, the Dakota Access Pipeline um, easement ha- was granted uh, a couple months back after an executive order uh, was signed um, to try to expedite and speed up that process um, that had previously um, been been halted or been paused for an environmental impact statement. Um, but then the new president decided, no, we don't need an environmental impact statement. Let's just go ahead. U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, I encourage you to grant that easement to Energy Transfer Partners to finish that Dakota Access Pipeline. And by, while you're at it, hey, let's go back to TransCanada and talk about the Keystone XL Pipeline. So um, we're going to be talking about the environment today and, uh, and water. Um, but I wanted to play a little bit of a, a video that was shared by um, a local wise woman, um, activist Penny Opal Plant, who flew from here uh, in the Bay Area to Washington, D.C. to be part of Nation, Native Nations Rise. Um, and and the, the group I Don't Know More is, has been a big organizer of it, um, I Don't Know More Bay Area. So I want to play you just a little bit from the from that rally, but um, stay tuned because I'm going to be back in a couple minutes. My guest today is Mona Lisa Wallace, um, Green Feminist is her handle, so you can check it, check that out, hashtag Green Feminist, because we, we really need to talk about uh, the water and we need to talk about the environment, and um, we're also going to be telling you about the upcoming Earth Day celebration here in San Francisco on April 22nd, so stay tuned, but here is uh, some some footage from Washington, D.C. from about an hour ago.
And uh, yeah, that was I don't know. Uh, well, a group singing an I don't know more song in Washington D.C. It's Native Nations Rise today here, um, March tenth. Um, so I want to thank uh, Penny Opal Plant for for posting that that video. Um, you can find it on Facebook. That was there's like thousands of people in this one area there in Washington D.C. Uh, looks like part of the National Mall. Um, which no does not have a Panda Express, but the National Mall is a big central park, essentially right in the middle of downtown Washington D.C. and um, and um, we're focused on that today because this this issue of Standing Rock, um, the Dakota Access Pipeline, um, has been going on for for the better part of a year right now, where the water protectors have been. Uh, camped out, standing up, uh, being brutalized by local and out-of-state law enforcement and the National Guard. Um, the, the camp was uh, just recently taken down, um, evicted essentially in uh, February, end of February, about the 20th, 21st, actually. And, um, and uh, people are not being quiet. This is just a beginning. So I wanted to... Uh, we want to talk about the environment today. We want to talk about water, and I'm really um, pleased and uh, excited to introduce our guest today, Mona Lisa Wallace, Green Feminist. Hi, Mona Lisa. Hi, Val. It's great to have you back here in the Mutiny Radio Studios here on Women's Magazine. Thank you. I'm so excited. Absolutely. I feel I feel like you're kind of a partner on this show because we've collaborated so much, and you've brought a lot of amazing voices uh, to this platform here that we get to broadcast around the planet, streaming around the planet on the internet, mutinyradio.fm, and occasionally popping up on KPFA 94.1 FM. Um, so, Mona Lisa, let's talk. What you got going on? What, 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 what do you think we need to be focused on as we, um, as we uh, look at and evaluate and try to shift um, environmental problems and into the right direction um, and possibly some policy that could do that. Aw. Well, I'm, I'm very honored to partner with you, Val, on um, the important work that has to be done in letting the public know that they do have power to protect themselves and the next seven generations. Um, as a feminist, I have found that the most success I've had in my life has been from uh, benefiting from the wisdom of my elders. And I look to the Native nations that are in, marching in D.C. right now in Penny Opal Plan. I look to the, the grandmothers who are leading this movement to protect the water for the people and where you know we have a lot of um, fragmented progressives focusing on various um, things happening or not happening or imagined and I think there's a lot of um, distraction from what's fundamental and water is fundamental um, we look at what's happening with the children in Flint Michigan right now those children need they need medical care. They need to have the, they need to have their lead levels brought down as soon as possible. Every day we lose. These children are losing um, health 
for the rest of their life. I mean, they may never recover completely uh, mentally and physically from this poisoning that's continuing to happen. Um, so that we are in a crisis situation with water. Um, here in California, we were we were just last year talking about the where there was a drought here in California at the time, and where there were people who were turning the tap and nothing was coming out. And um, you can be sure those were people who were already poor. That wasn't happening to the wealthy. So people who lived in the wealthy parts of Southern California were having sometimes trucks brought in, water trucks brought into their estates to water their roses or whatever because there wasn't water. But yeah, the, um, so listening to our elders and hearing what they're saying about how we really need to pay attention to the right to clean water. Um, the I was just... Um, looking at this YouTube of the Nestle CEO, a couple years old, and he was talking about how water is not a human right and how it should be, you know, profit should be gained from water just as it is from food. Um, and when we see the crisis situation where um, the lack of water and healthy food and clean air is causing tremendous illness and sickness, um, and I think fundamentally what the difference is, is it is based on, and I could just go on and on about this um, if you want to go into my little diatribe about bureaucracy and patriarchy and how the undermining of our human condition today um, is directly correlated with corporate personhood and how um, it intersects in various ways in our society. So when we look at the, um, the profiteering off of the um, pipeline and the, the money motivations between switching the water supply in, in Flint, Michigan, that these were decisions that were made in a bureaucracy. So um, when we look to listening to our elders and our grandmothers and we look to the, the many generations that people have been on this planet, we really look at that and we see that it's only been the past couple hundred years, hundred years, that people have lived in these concrete jungles eating packaged food. This is a great human experiment um, that people have always, always, always through our entire couple hundred thousand years of known you know, homo sapiens on this planet have eaten local food and we've helped each other. We've lived in community, human communities with each other and outside of patriarchies. So the oldest um, statues that they've ever found um, are about 40,000 years old. And I was just reading that in Egypt, they just unearthed these ancient Sekhmet, um, this uh, lion-headed goddess um, statues, a whole bunch of them. Um, in ancient Egypt, they had this beautiful um, character who was a goddess that a protector goddess who had kind of a lioness's head or face and um, the oldest known statue made by humans is about 40,000 years old and that that statue basically looks like Sekhmet also it was found in Germany hmm. 
And then we have these other um, ancient statues of goddess figures, but there was no, there is no evidence of a male deity at all occurring through the whole history of humanity where humans did live on this earth in, um, in various ways. We know that, um, that the people of Asia were able to populate all around the world and were sea travelers long before the um, Europeans were able to to do that um and the the idea that that we as humans um are masters of our own destiny has been um maybe maybe threatened by this concept that's been so helpful. So as we develop bureaucracies, we develop the system where you know there's a someone on top. It's like a pyramid, and then you have all the little people at the bottom. And so in this system, top-down system. So when we're talking about ancient Egypt, the before the very first pharaoh, there still was the fully developed language, or still were all the deities. The culture existed before the first pharaoh, but the that was one of the earliest versions of this kind of male-dominated patriarchy and you can do really cool things when you have a patriarchy when you have people under you that can't ask you why Mm. and don't have a choice of saying yes or no they if you say jump they just say how high or they jump and so when you have a system like that and it goes all the way trickles down you can do things like build huge bridges and skyscrapers and you look at you know there's loss of life and people injured and sickened by some of these huge um, building projects or whatever but there's some kind of one percenter on top who gets credit for that whether they be um, a bureaucratic leader in a governmental situation or in a corporate situation now as we've developed these laws around human rights and trying to figure out as their society is more and more complex and there's more and more people and now seven billion of us we look how are we interrelating well we interrelate by a system of laws and we have um and each person has certain rights and the problem that we're living in today is that um according to the law in the united states government corporations are persons now i don't mean just persons in terms of like oh for tax reasons or paperwork reasons or whatever they have human rights they have the right to um they have religion hobby lobby gave them a religious right that they can be they can have a spiritual feeling that um corporations are allowed to their first amendment rights so even though they're ultra you know capable of putting way more money into political actions than individuals would be, they can do so with impunity and they can do it over a course of, of many generations because they also don't die. They're immortal. So by giving these immortal concepts or constructs human rights and using them to filter consequences so the people at the bottom can't be blamed. So the per- person who's working at McDonald's and they're working in the drive through and they hand you uh, some, you know, trans fat fried food that has glyphosate residue or whatever in it and they hand you that are they the are they your killer are they the person who's sickening you are they at fault who at fault in the system so you know you look at like just like a typical some of the candies that they give out you know to kids that are you know trans fat and red 40 you know and they're giving you know whose fault is it is it the person who's giving it out as halloween candy to the you know to where is the fault in this when we have this complex system that in enables 
a confusion between what's good for people and human rights and these constructs or corporate rights. So you heard about like the um, Dakota Access Pipeline and Trump was talking about how, um, oh, he didn't hear any complaints about it and, and they, they invested all this money in it. And you know who's he really talking about? Is he talking about people or is he talking about corporations? And it's confusing because we, we wonder, you know, when we talk about thinking that we live in a democracy, are we living in are we in a democracy where the elected officials are those elected by the persons who are corporations? Because that's kind of how it's kind of coming out these days. And um, that's the even a system that we're living in where you hear politicians, some of them who are just wonderful people who really have the best interest of the people at heart, but they still have to pay for their campaign. Right. Yeah, it's this pay, pay to play model. And uh, as you're saying with, with this uh, corporate personhood, um, corporations can donate kind of infinite, almost infinite amounts of money to political campaigns and uh, clearly influencing uh, elected officials. Um, but it's that whole it's that whole game of, of cycle, right? People who actually, like you're saying, get into politics because they really want to try to make a difference, but then they spend half the time trying to raise campaign money for the next election cycle just so they can stay in office. So right. I mean, their heart could be in the right place. Like a doctor's heart could be really in the right place. So a doctor could really want to heal you and help you and really does not care if you have money or whatever, like they just actually really, that's why they did, they, they went to school and they studied so hard and, and they might be giving you a prescription for something that has a thousand times the markup price from a pharmaceutical company. Cause they heard that was the best thing because they're only hearing necessarily, you know, what paid marketers are providing information to them for right. so the, the trades yeah the trade-off and that and that they work in a system where you know it's all funded by these other bureaucracies or insurance companies that we talk about why we can't have single-payer health care that that health care should be between you and your doctor but instead you, you know if if your doctor gives you you know a couple of ibuprofen that you know in the hospital that's nine dollars and it's going to be billed you're going to pay 20 cents of that and the rest is going to be paid by this insurance company and the other by this insurance company and someone's doing all that paperwork for you and all that paperwork and all that confusion and complexity is a bunch of uh, um, bureaucratic expense and transactional expense that isn't related to making you well and that that where once again we have a situation where these corporate persons these constructs are able to obfuscate what's actually good for people and what people actually want and so if people want to make a change um, I would going back to how we started this is we talk about listening to our elders and just really hearing the wisdom of these grandmothers who are telling us protect your water right eat well eat local homemade food and a couple things on that with the pharmaceutical in industry and the costs and the bureaucracy. I could really go on a lot about that. But um, a couple things you're talking about. Let's, let's talk about the elders and, and the nutritious food. You know, I was just reading an article recently and people who go through medical school barely get any sort of training on nutrition. And so you have these people who are highly skilled, high, you know, highly educated, um, have, be, you know, chosen their specialty, you know, whether that's pulmonary or, or endocrinology or whatever it is, and they've studied so much and they, they, they think they know how these things work, you know, these different systems in the body, but w where's their nutrition 
background. They don't, they don't, they lack that. And so even in educational institutions who are trying to train doctors, um, at least in this country, they're, they're lacking that, that even that lens that we need to actually, uh, you know, treat your diet. I mean, you, you might go into the doctor and the doctor might say, well, you should probably, you know, exercise a little bit more and maybe try to cut back on some of this and some of that. Um, you know, just kind of very, almost very trite, um, health advice, (laughs) but take these pills, get this prescription and, you know, you might have to have this procedure done. And then, jumping over to the bureaucracy part, you know, if you're trying to figure out how much something is going to cost you, it's almost impossible to know before it happens. Like you could call 16 different numbers and talk to all these different people and they'll pass you around and pass you around. And most people say, I don't know how much that's going to cost. Just wait till you get the bill. So it's not even transparent upfront about how much, you know, what, what you're incurring. And then the, the third point to that is this doesn't necessarily happen everywhere around the world. You have other countries who have gone to bat for their citizens, negotiated deals with pharmaceutical companies, created a public health system in order to make sure that if their citizens are sick, if they need medical attention, that the cost is not going to be prohibitive, um, that they're going to be able to get healthcare through actually have their tax dollars go towards healthcare um, instead of, you know, massive, uh, you know, military budgets and such um, and to pay off old debts, uh, which a lot of our tax dollars do go to. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's this institutionalized um, kind of ignorance of this elder um, wisdom, uh, this, this natural science that is known and we can, we can look to it. Um, but it's, but it's vastly ignored because those who profit from the opposite are the ones who currently in this, uh, paradigm hold so much influence and power. Right. Yeah. And you can see that influence just like in the just the medical industry alone, like you can see how things changed as more women are admitted to medical school and are more and more represented. Then you have you start having nutrition classes in in medical school. So that's happening more and more now. And there is more knowledge coming around that. Um, There's science to back up. So there's, you know, I remember um, being told when I, you know, about a UTI by a doctor, I was like, oh, I was told to drink cranberry. And he was like, oh, no, that's just an old wives tale. Well, now there's science to show that that actually does work, and it is very helpful for a UTI. And the NIH um, it used to be the all medication. It's still pretty much that way. It was only tested on men, and so it affects women differently sometimes, and how women haven't been really considered in a lot of those ways or in the birthing process, how birthing has become more and more of a medical procedure, and the, um, the process of even the people who are called midwives there's been a little co-opting of the insurance industry of over the, um, the the term midwife. So a midwife is now a nurse practitioner who's trained to do birthing 
mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but a midwife traditionally is someone who actually does the birth, is the birthing, receive, receives the baby, helps the mother through the whole process, and including nutrition, including massage, including wellness and spiritual wellness, and involving the community in a sacred and ritualistic way, and the you know the entire whole part of midwifery, which is a, a ancient tr- women's wisdom tradition, and so the co-opting of that title, um, where that wisdom is lacking, where someone isn't trained in um, massage and herbs and things like that, and that that's not a requirement of that status now in this medicalized system. And you know, we've seen the the progress where you know, 50 years ago, the standard was you go to a hospital, they put you under general anesthesia, they um, plan the the to to take the baby out, they just take it out with forceps, and then they go play golf after. So you know that that was a, a, a violent birthing technique for the woman. General anesthesia is very, very dangerous. And the um, forceps removal was very damaging to the woman's body and potentially the child as well. Um, and so the, the process now of returning to the um, more natural childbirth was also part of women becoming more and more active in the medical community and standing up for that ancient wisdom. So, yeah, I think that we have a lot to learn from the, the, our grandmothers and our past grandmothers about how what we should live. You're listening to uh, Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val, and my guest today is Mona Lisa Wallace, green feminist uh, attorney and um, general badass, I like to think. Um, so this is, this is, this is uh, an amazing conversation. We're going to continue this in just a minute. I want to play a little music um, from uh, the Voodoo Cabaret. Because the Voodoo Cabaret is, is a, a woman-led group, um, Gisela Tangui, who actually was my guest here on Women's Magazine back in October. And um, she is going to be the opening band at Earth Day San Francisco on um, April 22nd. So let's take a little um, musical break. Let some of that sink in uh, for you. And uh, we'll be right back. I'm going to play this track from the Voodoo Cabaret called Mother of the Sea. Let's see here. Hmm. Here we go.
that was the Voodoo Cabaret, um, Yemaya. And uh, Gisela Tangui is actually going to be my guest here on Women's Magazine next Friday, the 17th. Um, we're going to be starting a little bit later, though. I've got a little thing to do. Uh, I guess it's work. Um, <laughs> that's going a little bit later than usual on Friday. So if you tune in next week for Women's Magazine, um, I'll probably be starting closer to 2.15, possibly 2.30. Um, so you'll probably just hear some some other cool stuff uh, programmed uh, roaming around on mutinyradio.fm. Um, but we'll play a little more Voodoo Cabaret towards the end of the show as well. But here we are, I'm back here with Mona Lisa Wallace, Esquire, uh, Green Feminist, and um, talking about the, the intersection of, um, well, so many things, um, the, the hierarchy of patriarchy, as we see in our, in our institutions, in our bureaucracies, um, the fact that corporations have been granted uh, First Amendment rights, human rights, um, and clearly they're a construct, they're not a human entity, um, but, uh, and uh, I think it's a, a very powerful point to mention that when you give corporations human rights, that corporations are not human, so they actually are immortal um, until they themselves dissolve. But also, I mean, corporations are some are, are, are things that have, that are given charters um, to operate. And so um, what we see in our country right now, and in other countries as well, but is um, there's, there the corporations have gained so much power because of their financial influence um, that they are not being, well, regulated or um, confined uh, as as they should be. Because even the founders of this country warned against corporations and warned against having a central bank like the like the Federal Reserve. Um, so um, we've got a lot to uh, kind of take apart, um, but. Um, Mona Lisa, do you want to talk about Earth Day a little bit and then we can, or did you want to jump in and make any points on anything I just said? We have about 15 more minutes of the show. Okay. Well, we've had, um, we just had Women's Day too. That was really, that was great. That was pretty great. Um, what, that, what did you do for International Women's Day, March 8th? Well, um, that was the day without a woman. It was a general strike. And um, strike internationally doesn't necessarily have the same meaning here in the U.S. where we kind of really associate it directly with labor because there are a lot of people, they, they still have, they have their work to do they you know but you can strike in other ways and that your um the strike has to do with um it's not business as usual today um so there were uh, marches in pretty much every major city in the united states on international women's day and as well as um events happening worldwide and um, on that day, I attended um, a California Association of it's a of Massage Therapy Council. I have to look up exactly. I can't remember exactly the name of the commission, but they they're a, a California governmental entity that um, um, gives approval and authorization to massage schools and to massage therapists, so that you're certified to legally, you know 
practice um, that healing art. And um, part of its mandate, part of its, its, its purpose is to protect the public is the, you know, the purpose. Um, and part of that is, it has to do with human trafficking, mm. kind of professionalizing things to the extent where, you know, it's clear that this person is um, employed um, doing um, a massage therapy and it's not, um, as distinct from sex work. So um, what's happened to it um, is that it has basically been causing incredible strife, I mean, just across California among the healing arts um, to people um, who are in that practice, who are many of them women, um, and many of them actually older women um, in that um, area of work, and they're healers. They work in their communities, and they are healers, and um, they they have been complaining because their schools have been getting deauthorized or shut down or um, the hours for practitioners have doubled and things have become, they have to do, um, they're subjected to pop administrative um, uh, inspections. So hmm. for example, um, someone can just walk in and be able to find any transcript right now. You have to produce it right now. Like for a small business, or I mean, some of these rules are quite onerous. And... Um, the the whole purpose of trying to do something about the human trafficking problem has been flipped on its head and instead it's feeding into it by pushing practitioners underground so it's actually causing that they have this exam called the mblex that um that the massage therapists are required to take to show that they do have a certain level of professional skill but that test is not offered in chinese so these amazing practitioners who are extremely well educated and extremely effective at their work are not able to pass it in English so therefore they are pushed underground mm. so that on Women's Day I went and I um, I testified in this um, hearing about specifically that um, and then after that we had um, San Francisco's chapter of the National Organization for Women held an International Women's Day um, meeting and concert at El Rio <clears throat> that was really fun um, Gisela played um, um, Voodoo Cabaret and it, we were dancing and Evan Greer evangreer.org just an amazing folk artist we just we had a blast <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I was sorry to miss that evening event um, at El Rio with, with Now. Um, I had gone earlier that day. I, I had the, it kind of incidentally had the day off. Um, didn't really realize it when I was taking it off initially that it was International Women's Day, but it all worked out. Um, just quick story. It was really cool because uh, E.K. Keith, who's a teacher librarian in SFUSD, and she and I uh, co-produce and co-organize the Poems Under the Dome National Poetry Month celebration in City Hall every April. Um, and she works at Burton High School. So the faculty there got together and decided, well, a day without a woman, uh, that's kind of leaving everybody like hanging. So, you know, you can't have the conversation if you're not there. So instead, they designed a day run by women. 
And so they invited pan they had two morning panelists, followed by um, a lot of other people that they had invited to, to go around to three different classes and, and do 35-minute uh, workshops. So I went in the morning and um, listened to the panels, and um, they had supervisors, uh, Sandra Lee Fewer, Hillary Ronan, and Katie Tang, um, three of the current six female supervisors on the board here in San Francisco. It's the first time in 20, 22 years that there's been a female majority board of supervisors in San Francisco. Um, so they actually got really real and uh, answered the questions that were had been put together by um, a group of senior girls. And then I went around to three different classes and taught talked about community radio and had the kids make PSAs and uh, had them talk to each other. And, and, and I said, turn to the person next to you and ask them this question. What are you good at that I don't know about you? <laughs> so for teenagers, it was a little bit awkward in moments, but they were like, they, they got into it. And so it was, it was nice to be able to kind of uh, bring that uh, concept of community and everybody has um, something to contribute uh, to the kids at Burton High. So I was really happy to be able to do that. So International Women's Day, I think it's taking off here. It's usually not really widely recognized or known, I think, in the United States. It's not widely celebrated. It's celebrated by organizations like National Organization for Women and various groups. But now I really think it's kind of a turning point and it's going to really turn into something, which is exciting. Well, I think for for um, the feminists and feminist organizers, like the National Organization for Women, um, for us, the, the um, International Women's Day is is usually a, a day to celebrate, and because we, we fight the fight all year round, you know, it's like it's we don't just care about the fact that um, women's reproductive freedom is getting halted and that our voices are getting silenced and that our children are getting sickened. You know, we're dealing with that all year round that we're not getting paid equally for equal work we don't have the same job opportunities we we can't access child care it's really difficult to to exist as a woman in in the world and we don't have equality we're not even near close to that and so for those of us who make it our um, 365 day a year job to take care of um, future generations for girls to try to make things a little bit easier and better for them or more equal for them um, International Women's Day is kind of a day to just get down and party and just enjoy the sisterhood and that's nice. what I love about it that's very cool and a very good reminder that it's kind of like it's not just one day right you can do something every day so we have just a few more minutes of the of women's magazine but of course you're welcome to stick around for the common thread collective if you if you want um, no pressure of course but let's talk about Earth Day San Francisco it's coming up April 22nd that's a Saturday what do you want to talk about? What do you want to say about Earth Day? Because you've been a, a longtime organizer for the event, uh, someone who's been part of that team to, to put on this yearly event. Uh, was at Civic Center for many years. It's going to be at Civic Center again uh, this year after a, a two-year two hiatus where it was happening in the Mission District. So um, what, are we look, what are you looking forward to at Earth Day San Francisco this year? I'm really excited about this Earth Day. Um, this Earth Day, we have a combination of events because the March for Science 
that's happening in D.C., but we have one here, too, in San Francisco, and they're happening all around. And so the um, March for Science is happening the same day, and we're hoping to join together with the March for Science on Earth Day and have, I think, probably 25 or 30 booths will just be teach-in booths, so learning different from scientific perspective, different aspects having to do with the environment. And for so much, just as we were just before talking about the old wives' tale, and the, the kind of um, disparagement of the wisdom of women that um, that that this is the science backing us up. You know, it's like here are the, 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 the wise women saying, look, we really need to protect Mother Earth. And then we have the scientists saying, hey, we really need to protect our habitat called planet earth so it's the same message and the um the science is there it's backing us up you know whether it be um the union for concerned scientists who i don't know if they're um, officially partnered with the march for science but they for many years have just been on the front lines of making clear that the science is supporting the importance of protecting our indoor and outdoor habitats from from pollutants including nuclear um pollution so Mm. where um this earth day will be really exciting is because it's really taking a scientific approach and we will have esteemed scientists coming and the um um the teach-in opportunity this year will be pretty epic. I really recommend all ages to come out. You'll learn. You'll come walk away learning something for sure. Yeah, I always learn something at Earth Day, and and I encourage everybody to when you go to Earth Day, write down. I mean, maybe you remember it in your mind, but like take a minute at you know at the end of the day or like sit down and have some delicious like vegan lunch that you can buy there at at earth day (laughs) and and just you know just write some stuff down because there's so much information and there's so many good people out there who are going to be sharing it um remember what you learn and and do and carry that with you and actually kind of you know activate and do something about it um however small it may be We've had some great speakers in the past. Um, we had Pam Larry, who uh, was one of the authors of uh, Prop 17, which was to label GMOs here in California, that got a lot of support, but narrowly was defeated because of all the money flo- flooded in uh, to, to the state to try to defeat that, um, you know, from the likes of, of big agriculture and um the pesticide companies uh, who were saying, no, 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 we don't want you to, we don't want labels on, on your food. Um, California, please don't do that. Uh, here, I'm going to, we're going to pour tons of money into the state and run ads. They actually ran the same ad over and over again. And it was a Stanford, I think scientist who was just right. like, oh, there's nothing. And you know, really this is, this is the deal. You can't really say for sure yet because we don't have the science or whatever that every genetic modification is going to be damaging to human life or whatever. But what we do know is that loads and loads of glyphosate in our environment causes cancer and is a toxic um, environmental pollutant. And so the GMO is genetically modified. The GMO corn is genetically modified to endure 
tons of this herbicide called glyphosate. And so it is in the food that, you know, the residue of that is in the food. It is in the industrial factory produced foods that we're eating and that have this GMO in it. And the label GMO action was basically, again, Pam Larry was another wise grandmother. Um, I think she might have be also a retired midwife or she was um, working in some healing arts too and she had a dream she she had a dream and in her dream because she was so frustrated that even the like healthy kind of brands of cereals and things like that would have the GMO and not be labeled and she had a dream one night that she could do something about it and um and then she remembered um in this dream just saying like well what can i do about this i'm just a retired grandmother and and she did she went to the ptas the ptos she went to the now chapter she went all around talking to the women and the women continued to organize and organize and organize and got this you know uh, you know nearly did pass it was a very close race it was despite over 50 million dollars being spent to to trounce it and um Pam Larry just did an amazing job with with that. And at Earth Day, I think we had over 3,000 signatures collected that day for it. Yeah. So Earth Day can be a very powerful day, very impactful. Um, and although you might be hearing some, some ugly truths, there's always something good to take away from it. There's always some sort of... Um, optimism or action or kind of a way to try to do do better <laughs> I'm always leaving I always leave Earth Day feeling really inspired so I'm excited to be part of it I'm gonna be emceeing uh, Earth Day this year for uh, a good portion of it there's gonna be two uh, ev- two spaces for um people to go and listen to speakers. There's going to be a really cool big dome um, where you can have a more intimate, uh, we'll have more intimate talks and, and panel discussions and things like that. And then also on the main stage is going to have, we're going to have some speakers as well, uh, different presenters, but of course a bunch of awesome music too. And I think the website is earthdaysf.org.org. Well, Mona Lisa, thank you so much for being my guest here today, March 10th. It is Women's Month, Women's Herstory Month. So um, thank you for uh, sharing your wisdom with all of us and everybody who's out there listening. I hope you take something away from this like you will, hopefully, at Earth Day. Um, And uh, thank you for listening to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val. Stay tuned for the Common Thread Collective coming up next, which is a community open mic. You're welcome to join us here at Mutiny Radio, uh, 21st in Florida right at the corner here in the Mission District of San Francisco. And just, uh, I'm going to end the show playing a little bit more of the Voodoo Cabaret, who's going to be opening the stage at noon at Earth Day, the main stage. And um, just remember, just when your aspirations seem outrageous, like following an actual dream and like writing legislation that almost passes and labels GMOs like Pam Larry did, just remember that inspiration is contagious. Peace and thank you. And please join me next week when I'll have Gisela Tangui from the Voodoo Cabaret. Yeah, man.